You're listening to the Fanboy Garage Podcast. Welcome to the Fanboy Garage. I'm Chris Lasanti, joined by my co-host, Aaron Varola. Yo, yo, what's up, folks? Welcome to episode 147 of the Fanboy Garage. We are glad to have you guys back with us for another week. Hope you guys are all well. We've got lots to talk about. Shang-Chi at the box office. Is it good? Is it bad? We'll talk about it. Denny Villeneuve has got some uh, spicy things to say about the Marvel Cinematic Universe or comic book movies in general, maybe. Uh, and there's a lot more for us to dig into, but let's start with Shang-Chi. Yeah, so, um, you know, Shang-Chi so far has been a, a breakout hit here. Um, third straight weekend at number one. Uh, it did another 21.7 million domestic this weekend. That's only a 37% drop. So it's clearly the word of mouth on this has, um, you know, word of mouth oftentimes is the best marketing Mm-hmm. Right, and we've seen movies with poor word of mouth that just fall right steep, um, and this movie only being released in theaters, right? So you don't have to worry as much about bootlegging and all of these things that people said were the reason why, like, um, uh, Black Widow suffered the massive like second weekend drops and and didn't have a lot of legs, right? Right. Well, it doesn't have that. So this movie's got legs. Uh, it's going to. It looks like right now the projections are that it's going to reach at least two hundred and thirty million domestic, which yeah. would make it. Because I mean, as of now, it's at one seventy seven basically, domestic, mm-hmm. after only three weekends. And with the holds that it's having, uh, they're saying it should do in that area, which would be the first pandemic oh, era first breakout, yeah. movie to to reach the two hundred million mark uh, domestically. And, uh, and, you know, overseas, it's actually still doing pretty well too. I mean, it's, um, it hasn't opened in China and it probably will not. Uh, so that's going to hurt, you know, clearly not having that, you know, the second biggest market basically in the world, yeah. uh, behind it. But even with that, I mean, it's, you know, $144 million world overseas. And, uh, so it's basically 321 million, uh, total you know, worldwide after three weekends. Without China. Uh, so, you know, this is a, a massive hit. And it's, you know, it's interesting that so far we've seen movies uh, like Fast 9 or F9, whatever, which we could talk about a little bit later because I finally watched it. Um, yeah. You know, that movie was a theatrical only, right, for 45 days. And it, as you would have expected, it, it started out strong and then dropped off quickly, right, which is what right. that series usually does. Um but uh, but Black Widow, which was available day and date on Premier Access, you know, for the price for the thirty dollars premium price tag, uh, a lot of people blamed, like I just said, uh, the day and date release on Disney Plus uh, for bootlegging and why it may have dropped off after that first weekend. You know, I, it's hard to say really whether that's the case, but it still did it still did fairly well. It did about as well as. Um, Fast F9 did, and that movie also, Black Widow, not released in China, probably will not be. 
Mm-hmm. Marvel's going to have an issue with China this year, mainly yeah. because they they released Black Widow uh, in July, which is during the. It actually got approval for release in China, but it it came out during like the blackout period over there, where they only um, like in the summer where they they reserve the slots only for Chinese films. They don't import anything. Mm. And they're thinking now because that movie has had rampant bootlegging over there that it may not even be worth it. And Shang-Chi, because of the nature of the the subject matter and the content, they don't think will get approval to be released Mm. over there. And the same may happen with Eternals because of the director who the Chinese government is not happy with Mm. for comments that she made. Uh, so they don't know that Eternals will get a release in China either. So it's really up to Spider-Man. It, it might be not, you know, it might be Spider-Man, which is not a Marvel Studios film anyway. Mm-hmm. But that might be the next the f- MCU movie to uh, actually get a release in China. Just, you know, interesting wow. note on that, which is kind of fascinating the way things look. But yeah, I mean, Shang-Chi is a great example, though, of a movie that did not have a day and date release, theatrical only. You know, we know we mentioned it on the show that, you know, Kevin Feige talked about it being an experiment. And uh, and I, I'd say it's been a smashing success, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's worked out. Um, and, uh, you know, it's holding up strong. So, good. And it's, yeah. and it's amazing. So, great. And I know people who were going to see it this weekend, third weekend. It's their first time going back to theaters. Wow. You know, so this is the movie that a lot of people that I know personally are choosing to be the first movie that they go to see in theaters. And I'm sure a lot of that is because of the lack of availability of day and date. Yeah. I mean, that makes total sense, right? Yeah. I mean, as as somebody that's been pro, um, you know, streaming at home and all of that stuff, I got to say that I, I do feel like just looking at the box and, you know, Suicide Squad, of course, is an outlier here. The Mm -hmm. Suicide Squad, sorry, because that's just I don't know what to do with that. That movie underperformed to such dramatic levels that it's it's hard to quantify, right? What what the hell it meant? Uh, yeah. You know, was it the I mean, day and date? The, it's not in the top ten. It's not in, even in the top. It's 20. bizarre. Oh, no, it's in the top twenty. I'm sorry, it's in the top. 10. I mean, it's bizarre because it's like <clears throat> you know, even with the day and date on HBO Max at no additional cost, there are have been other movies that have been in that same situation that have done significantly better. Right, mm-hmm. so it's it's just hard to say what what that was. So I'm just going to leave mean, that Black, out of there. Black Widow is 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 that film? Black well, Widow did uh, well, you, you but know, even but here's the thing, though. Godzilla versus Kong. I mean, yeah, that, available that, day and date, and at a time when it, a lot less theaters were still open. Right, that came out early in the process. That was like the first sort of the big movies when things started to really kind of reopen a little bit, but it, they weren't open to the degree that they are now. Yeah, well, I mean, it, <clears throat> it's domestic. The Suicide Squad's domestic performance is, like, laughable. It's a, yeah, disaster. It's egregious. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I don't know. Black I mean, Widow's an interesting, um, because Black Widow, didn't Black Widow get like early previews or something like that do they is that was that is that factored into box office no it, yeah i mean if people paid <clears> sure <throat> it probably gets factored into the opening weekend i would assume mm, yeah right. opening okay. night probably um gotcha. but you know it's um you know the good news though is that i it seems like the studios that like warner media warner brothers whatever and disney they are factoring in 
the performance on the streaming service for now. Like, I know that Warner Media is they're still invested in that Suicide Squad property, right? They have their Peacemaker show, yeah, which is going to be yep. coming out. Uh, you know, Disney clearly is is invested, and now they're making money on their streaming side, which is different. Mm-hmm. But so it's I don't think that the studios are holding it against these films right now. They're kind of giving them like a pass, like, hey, we get it. <laughs> You know, right. if people watched on HBO Max, and, you know, a good amount of people seem to have watched The Suicide Squad on HBO Max, um, mm-hmm. then they're okay with it for now. But, it, you know, as I was going to say before, as somebody who's been very pro-stream at home, like, I, I feel like now, seeing Shang-Chi, seeing the performance of a movie like Free Guy, which oh helped, you know, was, again, the second movie... Uh, you know, it's over $108 million. It's, it's almost $300 million worldwide. And that's not mm-hmm. a big-budget comic book superhero established property type of thing. Like, it's mm-hmm. showing me that, you know, people will go to the theaters for the right films and the right stories now. And I'm I'm starting to see friends and family and people that or people that I talk to about movies going slowly making their way back to the theaters. Again, if it's a worthwhile thing. So I, right. I'm starting to come around to, like, be okay with, like, I don't think I need day and date, you know, f- for everything. I still think there is a perfect market for it. But for yeah. big movies like these Marvel movies or DC stuff, Star Wars, whatever the case may be. What about for Dune? Well, well, I'll talk about Dune in a second. But, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking that I'm okay with the 30 to 45 day exclusive window. Yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool with that. I mean, if it's a movie that I absolutely want to see, I'll go to the theater and see yeah. it. Um, and then if it's something, you know, that comes out 30 to 45 days later, sure, I'll pay for it. And I, I did that with F9 this weekend. Uh, like, I had a whole range of experiences this past weekend, right? So mm-hmm. I F9, I finally got a chance to buy... Uh, now that it's available for the home, and I watched it. Malignant, I actually watched Day and Date on HBO Max. And, uh, you know, so it's like, I'm, I'm running the gamut of like how I'm consuming my movies and like the Halloween, Halloween kills, right. They announced that that's going to be day and date on Peacock. Right. And I'm actually excited for that because that's a movie that. You have to pay for that? No. You have to pay for Peacock? No. Yeah. As long as you have Peacock. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. So I like, as a big a fan of the Halloween franchise as I am. Okay. And we did an entire episode on the Halloween franchise way back mm-hmm. when, right? Uh, that's not a movie that I would have gone to the theaters to see. There was a 0% chance that I would have gone to the theaters to see oh, that movie. And there is now a 100% chance that I will watch it as soon as it's available on Peacock. Mm. So, like, there's a perfect example of where day and date actually could probably benefit a studio. I think that there is a market. Certain family films, certain, like, genre niche films like a Halloween Kills, things like that, are a great way to uh, to utilize your, you know, they're, they're good properties to use to build momentum for your streaming services. Right. Especially when you're releasing Halloween Kills, like, right after, like, the new Bond movie and uh, Venom and the Dune movie comes out after it. Like, it's like, why compete? It's it's not a movie that's going to... I know that the last one did really well, but that was that was a nostalgia thing, right? That movie, you cannot expect... That movie overperformed based on nostalgia. You know, mm. kind of that phenomenon of like, oh, Jamie Lee Curtis, okay, cool. But you weren't going to be able to duplicate that. 
with this movie. No. I don't under any circumstances. So why not take the chance? So we're seeing a little mixing and matching. One thing I will say, though, <laughs> is uh, if you are going to do the 45-day the uh, window and you are going to then release your movies to for digital purchase or rental or whatever the case may be on uh, streaming services, don't do what Warner Brothers is doing with The Suicide Squad, especially when you consider the fact that that movie tanked at the box office. Mm-hmm. I got excited. Because I saw it available on Vudu. And then I looked at the price. They want $32 to buy that movie digitally. $32 or $30 to rent it or $25 to rent it. And then I went on Amazon and Amazon is $30 to buy it and $30 or $25 to rent it. Like It's basically the same price as the actual physical copy. Which... I mean, for that money, like, I'd rather buy the physical copy because I'll get the physical copy and the digital code anyway. Right. It's like, are they, they got to be out of their minds. Like, every movie usually is 20 bucks. like, in that case, nineteen ninety nine, like, the, the right. first run, right? <clears throat> I, I've never seen prices like that before, and I'm not sure if that's them trying to recoup lost income or what the case is, but I was like, uh, no, not happening. That's crazy. It's ridiculous. That is $32. not that is not how you release a movie digitally after your 45-day window has run out. That is a Warner Brothers, I guess we could honestly say they have just done as bad a job with the Suicide Squad as they you could possibly do with anything. In every facet of this whole thing. It's actually pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's a good thing uh Christopher Nolan's not seeing all of this stuff, right? Because he he got his big deal to oh, jump yeah. ship to to Universal, and I know that was like caused a big controversy. I it's like whatever, like I don't get it. Like forget about what you may think of Christopher Nolan or his movies or whatever, but it's like the guy shot for the moon and got it. Great, good for him. Yeah, like you know, he he was like, yeah, this is what I want. He basically gave them like the equivalent of like uh, like a rock band's rider, you know, where they only want brown M and M's and stuff like that, and right. they because they don't expect that they're gonna get those things. And then he got it. Cool. More power to him. Hundred day theatrical. Hey, if the studio wants to commit to a hundred day theatrical window for his movies, the hell, sure. Why yeah. not? That's weird that they would do that, especially Universal, who was like the first studio to to cut the deal with like the the limited theatrical window deal. They started that whole process, <laughs> you know, of of negotiating with theater owners to to limit the theatrical window for movies. So it's odd that they would give in on that. But um, I guess Nolan. I guess I, I you know we let's see what Christopher Nolan's. Box office power is, I, it's hard to say because Tenet didn't have a chance, obviously. Um, yeah. But let's see, you know, where he's at. He, he better be cranking out some serious stuff. But I got to be honest, man, like, <clears throat> Tenet sticks to the ribs for me. I still haven't seen it. Jeez, man. I've got to be honest with you, I'm not, I have not loved... Um, his have, latest run? I have not loved a lot of his output post the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah. Um, you know, I love Memento. Like that blew. Talk about a movie that blew my mind when I first saw. I mean, I saw that like, you know, right after it came out in theaters. And and Insomnia, I still think is an incredibly underrated movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then of course the Dark Knight trilogy. And uh, but like, you know, yeah, he. I haven't. 
Inception, I was never that was never my thing. Ooh, uh, like that's like in my top. Yeah, thing. I know you love it. Um, and uh, what was it Interstellar? Was that his? Yep. Yeah, that was. Movie. Wow, yeah, wait that... a second. The Prestige. Oh, the Prestige. Yeah, the Prestige was. Yeah. It's all right. What? All right. Yeah, it's not. Again, he's. It's not my. It, Nolan is. He. He's just like I said. He's fallen off from me just because I, I don't find his movies entertaining enough. <laughs> Um, these days, and I, I just like I'm, I'm big on. You're gonna see people listening to this podcast will get that one of my main themes is <clears throat> entertainment. Like I, I do like I, I don't mind a thought provoking film or whatever, but um, you just want to have fun. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's a little more than that. I mean, I, I don't mind a great like, but I don't know his stuff. Just has it's not been bad. Don't get me wrong. Like I haven't hated anything that he's done. Mm. I just haven't like fallen over myself. Like oh my god, I must go this is like a must thing for me like the The, christopher nolan brand for me right now isn't like run to the theater as soon as he cranks something out yet that's kind of the only movie i haven't seen of his is dunkirk yeah and dunkirk uh, so here's the thing with that is that's not i'm sure dunkirk is brilliant i've heard it is i'm not a big war movie guy yeah and that's why that's exactly why i haven't seen it like i've heard amazing things about 1917 haven't seen it. Right. There's like war movies that I love. I mean, Platoon is great. Um, Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. Casualties of War, I think, is an underrated. Yeah. Uh, that's a disturbing movie, but it's underrated. You know, Full Metal Jacket, I really not. I guess it's technically a, a not really a war movie. It's a, more of like a military yeah, I was gonna say, film. If you consider Full Metal Jacket yeah. a war movie, then maybe Under Siege is too. <laughs> right, that's what I mean. So it's more of like a yeah, it's a military Those film. military movies. Yeah. You know, and you know some older, but that's never been like war. I know people who adore war movies, and like it's one of their favorite genres. They'll watch anything. That's just never been my my thing. Yeah. You know, I'm not uh, I'm not drawing. I'm sure it's it looks great. I mean, I'm I'm sure it's really well done. Um, but uh, yeah. So speaking of controversial directors like or directors stirring up controversy uh denis villeneuve uh was uh asked in an interview actually for i think it was el mundo uh it was done in spanish it was trans translated and of course they had to ask him uh you know they they asked him about marvel films or he brought it i actually still am not even sure because i didn't see the I didn't read the question, so I'm not even sure that it was they were specifically asking him about Marvel. Maybe they were, but he happened to talk about it, Marvel. Yeah, it was it was around this idea of like big budget films. Correct. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And uh, and he, you know, he went on and and he, you know, he said some stuff, um, you know, different things, uh, which is some of the stuff I actually didn't feel was uh, so. He, you know, here I, I have it here. He basically was like. Um, blah blah blah. Yeah, blah 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 blah. blah. I, you know, he's talking about the golden <laughs> age of Hollywood. Commercial films can make a you know a different artistic proposal, and therefore, you know, political. He's never felt like a loss or an impediment to have a generous budget to do what you wanted to do. You know, and and um, and he said, you know, look at directors like Christopher Nolan and Alfonso Cuarón and. Um, you know, and he talked about how, you know, the Marvel films may be turning us into zombies because they're very cut and paste. And I kind of, I mean, I get what he's talking about. I, I would have, I don't know that I would have gone the route of like saying it's, they're turning us into zombies. It's a little 
over the top. Like it's it's reminds me of like my fifth grade teacher yelled, saying, that's the boob tube. Don't watch television. It's turning you into a zombie. But right. like he's basically saying, like, just because a movie has a big budget and, and is, you know, doesn't mean that it, it necessarily it can still have a, a, a it could still make a statement. Right. It can still have a powerful message. It could still be art is was kind of what he was getting at. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I mean, the, the Marvel movies are, you know, they are cut and paste in the way he was talking. If you actually look, because he, he, um, he did an interview in a French newspaper or with a French, um, yeah, uh, premiere, right? Where he says, if we're talking about Marvel, the thing is, all of these films are made from the same mold. Some filmmakers can add a little color to it, but they've all cast, they're all cast in the same factory. It doesn't take anything away from the movies, but they are formatted. That was an interview he had done in Premiere, like, prior to this one. And he's right. I mean, that's what it is, right? I mean, yes, you've had directors like a James Gunn, right, or a um, Taika Waititi, or, you know, who have, or Ryan Coogler, right, who've kind of thrown their own flavor. But it, it, they are formulaic in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's fine. Like, I don't know why you necessarily have to look at it like as a personal assault. If somebody like Denis Villeneuve um, doesn't like the Marvel films, <laughs> or maybe he does and just, but he doesn't. Th- I mean, look, he's an artist, right? So this is that whole like elitist thing about like, you know, if you ask um, a classical musician uh, about pop music, they'll probably give you a similar response. It's just the way they're they're wired, right? I mean, you know, even in, in all forms of art, you have your like your true like art artists, right, with their artistic integrity, and then you have your your sure. pop artists that are just looking to make something that the masses can enjoy in entertainment. That's fine. I don't know why people care. I mean, I know why outlets continue to press these types of issues because it gets them a nice like hyperbolic headline like i saw one headline one place posted it as denis villeneuve speaks out against the marvel films and it's like well no he it's not like he held a press conference and got up on a podium and was like we must fight back against marvel and their evil ways no like he just had an opinion Uh, and um, some of it is actually accurate Right, it's correct. I, I yeah, I mean, I kind I kind of agree, but I also think it's disrespectful for some of the other directors that are contributing to to this franchise, right? To say that all sure. you do is put out cookie cutter stuff, or like you've added a little flair to a form, you know, to a formulaic film structure. That's not that's not necessarily fair. It um, no. You know, I mean, you look at, I mean, all I'm going to say is, like, where's your Oscar, my man? Like, Chloe Zhao's coming in. Right. She's she directed The Eternals. She's an Academy Award winning director. Now, granted, she made the film, like, before she won the award. Sure. But she is a director that carries some weight, and there are some others, right? Like, I'm pretty sure Kenneth Bronner won an Academy Award. Have yeah, I mean, people that. forget that he was even. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I mean, like, that there was early standout yeah. directors like in the these the, in this franchise. So, like to say that kind of stuff to me is, it, it you know you said it. It's like this elitist perspective. Like you sit on this yeah. high mountain, 
it's like, dude, you've made like a handful of films, and like I, I like what you do, but like I don't, th- you know, I don't think you should be throwing stones in glass houses because you've been revisiting franchises he yourself. Has. Yeah, I mean, this is you a, know what I'm saying, right? And like, I, but I think that's kind of what he's was getting at though when he says like, you know. Just because you're making a movie about a an established property or a big budget film, you can still it can still be yours, right? It can still and it could still have something to say. You know, I, I kinda think that was the gist. Yeah, I mean I don't know that I would I mean, you know, even though the, the biggest like the people like a Chloe Zhao, right, or or Ryan Coogler or James Gus, so on and so forth, they could still do their thing and they could still be accomplished directors although like you said i mean she was hired for this before she won an oscar not that she wouldn't have done it anyway but still but the thing is though you are still working within a machine you know it is it's a big it's a big studio that correct i mean it's a it's a huge and it's not your necessarily like you there are beats that you are going to have to hit a hundred percent you know like there are you may have to cast certain people for certain reasons or you may have to bring in certain characters into right. the fold for for other for continuity purposes and the, things like that the and, same could be said about about dune right like dune is is a narrative it has a it's a book right so he's got a certain certain formula he has to follow himself because he has to adhere to the book right otherwise it's not dune well I mean to a point yeah but then I mean if we're gonna I mean to we could take it but, to an extreme, but, though, and say, I mean, theoretically, then any screenplay, though, you're still adhering to somebody else's okay, thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is, yeah. like, these are these are comic these are based on comic books. There are right. certain formulas by nature because they are written material that they are pulling source from, like right? they're sourcing this stuff from. So yeah, I mean, by nature, it has to be formulaic to a degree. Of course. Well, that's the and that, but that's I guess <clears throat> ultimately that's my point is that these comic book films. They are comic book films at the end of the day, right? And right. you know, people like Denis Villeneuve—they didn't grow up watching, reading comic books, right? And there are people that, you know, they they look down on comic books, right? That's not right. considered like literature for them. And just because the Marvel films and comic book movies have become so popular, like in the mainstream now, like, you know, I mean, I've been reading comic books for for decades, and at no point did anybody that I know ever take that seriously. You know, and, and trying to explain to them like something like The Dark Knight Returns or something like Watchmen, right? Yeah, and how yeah. it's like those titles like that took the the medium to new levels, right? I mean, Watchmen was the New York Times bestseller list, right? Like things like that that it, it they they transcended the genre and how it's not just like you know the days of like oh these are little like goofy superhero comic books and stuff like that so there there is something to that but but marvel is not th- their goal is not to yeah they want to make good movies but their you know their goal is to they're creating a property and i just don't know you know i don't know why you know so clearly he's not the type of director that would ever direct that type of movie that would ever work in that type of environment he's not alone right mm-hmm. i mean look even an edgar wright i mean edgar wright couldn't work within the Marvel system. You know, and that's a, Edgar Wright is a very, uh, and he's not an elitist necessarily, right? He's not a, a Denis Villeneuve, but he, he's a great filmmaker who is a, a distinct voice. And every property <clears throat> that he's ever, that he had made, I mean, yeah, he did Scott Pilgrim, right? Which was 
but you know he yeah. put a lot of his vibe into Scott Pilgrim. But he was a guy that's used to having it's his voice on the screen, right? And he's a creative guy, and he's created entire universes and entire worlds. So for him, he found it hard to work within the Marvel system. Right. Uh, he's not alone, you know. I mean, Patty Jenkins had a problem with it; she couldn't do yeah. it, you know. So we, we've seen it happen. Um, it's just so now they have gone the way of. You know, they are hiring a lot of, you know, they, yeah, they'll give you your Ryan Coogler's, right? We've gotten, you know, our James Gunn's, although James Gunn was not, I mean, he he was still, he was not a huge name prior right. to Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. I mean, he's a name and he made some really good films, but he wasn't like an, an A-list director, you know, yeah. property prior to that. I, uh, I mean, I also think, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is given some some good credit and some good experience to folks that had not done stuff Absolutely. before. Absolutely. Sure. You know. Yeah. John John Favreau, not that he wasn't an amazing director. I mean, he had some he had done some stuff. I mean, he was you know, like swingers and, and yeah. whatever like that. That's yeah. you know. But like that's but Iron Man's his breakout. Yeah, and he I mean, he kicked off the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And 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 you know, uh what's his name? Um oh, why Peyton Reed, right? I, you know, the Russo brothers. Yeah, but here's the thing, TV. though. Here's the one thing I will say. You loved Shang Chi, right? Yeah, it's making money. Yeah, who's the director of Shang Chi? I have no idea. That's right. what I'm saying. I don't Who? Care. I mean, Captain Marvel made a billion dollars. Who directed don't even that know. movie? Right. Don't uh, even care. Yeah, I mean, this <laughs> is the thing. Who directed Black Widow? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. Like, these are very successful movies. And I think in some cases, you know, they have not really done much for the directors. I mean, yeah, John Favreau, because he kind of started the whole thing. Right. Mm-hmm. He he kicked off. But like, if you look, I mean, yeah, James Gunn, is he more of a is he on the map now after the success of that? Yes. Um, you know, Ryan Coogler already had his thing. Right? right. So, but you know, Black uh, Black Panther certainly. Right. The success of that Ken, movie takes him to Kenneth Branagh was his own thing, and he didn't write. So, if you look like a lot of these movies, you have these incredible. Even like, you know, I mean, not that the Russo brothers are going to need the money right after what they've been no, doing here for this no. franchise, but like, they, it's not like they're cranking out like you yeah, know, movie not, after I think movie. The first- they, they've got like a new movie coming. And I yeah, think Tom, it's Tom Pey- Holland in it. Peyton Reed's still doing television. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, John Watt, who's done the Spider-Man movies, his next thing is going to be Fantastic Four. So he's staying within right. that Marvel staying, universe. Staying so yeah. I, I kind of, you know, when you really think about it, it's like, and it's not to say that the, the, um, and you know, Chloe Zhao, of course, she happens to, you know, win an Oscar. <laughs> Uh, before her Marvel film comes out, so but she, she was already going to be on the map anyway. Clearly, right, like she didn't need right. this, right? Uh, to uh, to vault her into uh, to any you know status or anything yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she'll still get work. Doesn't matter what Eternals winds up doing, you know, at the box office. But the um, the guy, uh, it's Destin Daniel. I don't know, it's Cretton, whatever is the guy who directed Shang Chi. He may go on to have a fantastic career. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But I think the idea is 
you know, it is does say something though when you know you can rattle off these movies that have been very very successful movies and totally. like people don't know. You know, it's like who directed Raiders of the Lost Ark? Who directed Star Wars? Who directed Jaws? Yeah. You know, who directed uh, you know whatever? I mean, you could throw. Yeah, I could even tell you, you know who directed Fast and the Furious, right? I mean, like, yeah. you know, there. It's very rare that you have movies that are major, major blockbusters that people can't tell you immediately who the director is. Right. You know, right. so like if I'm a director from that perspective, yeah, maybe I'm going to look at that and be like, well, it's kind of assembly line stuff, like sort of doesn't matter. Yeah, you could throw your deal in, but like whatever. I get mm. it. Um, it doesn't, again, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, the more mm. MCU has made $25 billion or whatever it's made in all these movies, so who cares? Um, right, and, right, you know, and it's still, and, and and look with for Denny for Denny Villeneuve, like, I get it, dude. You got a style, you know. You consider yourself like a Chris Nolan type guy. Yes, that's fine, man. Right, you whatever. Know? Yeah, I mean, look, Blade Runner twenty four tonight bored me to tears. Um, I mean, it was a stunning film. It looks amazing. Stunning, yeah, stunning movie. Yeah, absolutely I, amazing. I, mean, I couldn't. I, I look, and I was. I watched it. I thought it was all right. I couldn't tell you shit that happened in it yep. right now other than uh, Ryan Gosling being like a robot. Um, maybe. I don't even remember if that's a thing. I, maybe I was drunk. Who knows? <laughs> Arrival, though, and Sicario. Sicario I like. Arrival, Arrival kind of put me to sleep, too. Um, I, I enjoyed Arrival. But Sicario was like, whew. yeah, that's a great movie. And Prisoners, yeah, which is great. pre Prisoners, is another yeah, great yeah. before anybody you know kind of knew who he was. Right. Um, but no, uh, Prisoners is a phenomenal film. Yeah, and I don't know, but look, I'll tell you what though, I, I I'm not a, never been a Dune person. Like I didn't read the book. I oh, I must I know I've seen <clears throat> the first you know the movie um, David Lynch I think right did. Yep. I've seen it probably when I was younger. Didn't make an impression on me. I got to be honest, though, watching the trailer before Shang-Chi, I was like, my God, this cast is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> like, that cast is insane. And I, I'm not going to go to the theaters to see it, but yeah, I'll watch it on HBO when Max. It that's on for sure. HBO Max, full free. Yeah. So, and, you know, if it's great, it's great. Awesome. I, I'm never going to complain about having great, like, you know, Property films, right? Sci-fi, sure. comic, whatever, you know, the, any kind of niche genre film, the more the merrier as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but, so. but I mean, you know, his, it, like the comment about the, the zombie thing, and I think we're belaboring this, this, uh, this part, but like, you know, again, and I think that's a big old F you to the audiences too, because people don't want to go, like not everybody wants to go sit through oh, sure. a, a long yeah. ass sci-fi film. I mean, because in, in most cases, that's what, where that's where he's at, with the exception of like prisoners. Yeah, well, people want to be entertained. Yeah, you yeah. want to go, you want to yeah. have a good time. It doesn't, and it's not. Again. By the way, it's not because of the Marvel films. That's not no. new. People have wanted to go yeah. to the movies to be entertained. I mean, I mean long Fast, before the Fast and Furious franchise is a great example. I mean, even before that, that Star Wars, yeah. Raiders of the Lord. I mean, the Indiana right, Jones right. franchise. You know, any, Star Trek. I mean, any of the. I mean, geez, it's the idea of like a fun, entertaining popcorn movie is not. Marvel did. I know we give Marvel a lot of credit for a lot of things, but they didn't invent Losing that. Relevance. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Oh, I got a weird, weird noise. Anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's when they start 
relevance. Yes. Yeah, so like Scorsese, for example, you know, he says what he has to say about uh, about Marvel films, and then he drops The Irishman, a four-hour film that is like way, way too long. And the fact is I couldn't get over it because people's faces look like silly putty. So, <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I feel like, and this is how it's always been. This is what film is. There's different tastes for everybody. Yeah. Like they're all directors. Of like, course. They, you know, they're all, they're all artists just because I choose to, you know, use pastels and you decided to use acrylic paint. Like that's on, you know, like, right. We have our thing. Hey, that listen, doesn't, doesn't mean you got to shit on each other. There are artists, right. That looked down on Bob Ross. Right. They didn't think that that was art. You know, uh, well, and well, get yourself a but, see if you can find a Bob Ross piece. But Bob <laughs> Ross is iconic. I mean, that's but but yeah. that was to mainstream people like that's how they connected to art, to painting, not art. You know, yeah. and you know what? You need that. I mean, geez, do people like Denis Villeneuve are able to make movies now because of movies like the MCU? Yeah, because they're keeping theaters alive. Because people, less and less people are going to hell, theaters. Hell yeah! Just like so, everybody needs that gateway, right? So just hell like yeah. Bob Ross brought a lot of people into painting, just like you know, pop bands or, or like like pop rock bands bring fans into rock music, which eventually can lead. Like I was a kid, right? My gateway band was like in 1986. It was Bon Jovi. Right. By 1987, I didn't even like Bon Jovi anymore. I was into like heavier stuff, but like if it that was my gateway to rock, mm-hmm. to hard rock, mm-hmm. heavy metal, and what what eventually became later on, like I you know I got into all kinds of stuff. But like everybody needs that gateway to to get into something because you know, and and if that's going to bring people to theaters and it's going to get them into the movie experience and it's going to get them into that, then that's why yeah, people like that. Right. Uh, get to make their movies and and get right. to have them be successful. I mean, Christopher Nolan. You can't say that his movies did not get a significant bump after the Dark Knight trilogy, right? Because look right. at the box office movies performance of his movies prior, and then look right. at the box yeah. office performance of his movies yeah. during and after, right? Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, this is what what happens, and. You know, we'll see. You know, we'll we'll see what what happens going forward. But yeah, I mean, it's all it is what it is. But uh, I uh, I actually you know finally got a chance to watch um, F nine uh, yeah. this weekend. Uh, what was that for you? You know what? It's so I have been. I haven't seen shit since the first since Fast Five where the series really just shifted gears, no pun intended, right? And when it became like this over-the-top like action franchise, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have been an unapologetic <laughs> fan of the franchise, okay? Yeah. But this movie, watching it, it was like, this is the first time I was like, all right, now we've, I think we've jumped the shark. Like, Yeah, it's just I heard li- it's like virtually unwatchable. I, yeah, I don't know that I would say that. It's, it's very, the series just felt very long in the tooth. Um, the third act is fun. Um, although, yeah, like I, I just, you know, there was things I would have done differently and I, I actually didn't even like John Cena in it. And I like John Cena usually in movies. I, you know, I liked him in train wreck for the small role that he has, liked him in blockers. Uh, loved him. I just watched the vacation friends. 
Oh, is it good? It. I mean, it's stupid. Funny, well, yeah. But it's John Cena being a, like a like a bonehead, like right? Meat, meat. It's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I loved him in the Suicide Squad. I didn't like him in this movie, like at all. Um, Too serious. It's not even this. Just, just, and the character to me, it was they hit a lot of the s- similar notes. Um, the Rock. What? Right, like of the Rock. Like the Rock and and Statham's yeah. characters and stuff. Like, yeah. you know, it's just like, <laughs> eh. but um, you know, and then they go to space. Well, not they. Like, oh, shit. two people go to space, and at that uh-huh. point, you're like, what? Well, wait, okay, now look. I I watch a lot of weird stuff, right? I, I watch it, but like that one even for me was like, I, no. Did they like shoot a car up into space? Jump the shark moment right there. <laughs> like it's just ridiculous. And I thought the third act for the that aside was fun because it's like at least now getting back to, you know, um, cars and, and speed and, and cool right. like stunts and right. stuff. But the movie's about two hours and 20 minutes. And I didn't even realize there was a director's cut that I could have watched that that was like seven or eight minutes longer somehow. It's just way, it felt way too long. Like I, middle of the movie, I I almost turned it off. Like it was a struggle. Uh, Dude, so that's unwatchable. Well, but then it does get, like I said, the third (laughs) act is at least a little bit fun, right? Because it's better. But, you know, this is the case where it's like, I think at this point they just, I know they're, they're winding it down anyway. Yeah. Um, but they, they need to just realize what they are and just focus on that. Well, they just keep on pushing the nitrous. Yeah. Uh, but that, yeah, this you know. one was, uh, it was tough. It's just not, not great. And I also I, I want to skip it. You could. Entirely. Yeah. Yeah. You might as well. No interest. Yeah. No interest in it whatsoever. The moment I saw them like, uh. What was I don't even remember the scene it was like drive a car off a cliff and and like a, a plane like manages to catch the the car in midair. <laughs> but Eve, you know what? Even stuff like that I can deal with in this franchise because like it's it's ridiculous. But like it's just a lot of this movie is boring. That's the problem. Mm. Like there's just so much like exposition and and you, you know we're bringing characters back and then we have to explain why and it's just like. Yeah, oh, the Hans character comes back. Right? Yeah, again, and how uh, does that even happen? Oh, it's just uh, the you, like, dude, you blew up. You were the entire motivation for like the last like three films. Yeah, I mean, we. Can, I mean, if we're gonna get into spoilers, since you're never gonna watch it, um, basically, it's they're saying that um, Kurt Russell's character mm. staged it because he wanted staged Hans' death because he wanted him to go work for him. Oh, God. Yeah. I would have preferred, like, if they were going to go crazy, he's a clone. <laughs> that would, you know what? That would have been better, probably. Yeah. He just cloned them and then yeah. aged them. Would have been better. <laughs> uh, why not? You're in space. Hey, what's the difference? Okay. I mean, you and since we're saying? getting into spoiler territory, then I can talk about we the John. scraped the pavement for his DNA and we just cloned him in a lab. Yeah. I could. I he could... likes the same crackers and everything. <laughs> I I could get into the uh, the John Cena stuff because yeah basically like you know he plays um, Vin Diesel's brother right uh, Dom's brother and essentially he has a, a similar arc to The Rock and Statham where they start off as antagonists and then they kind of become protagonists by the end yeah oh family matters blah blah yeah blah. and it's just like come on Blood again and water. i can't do that to my baby brother 
Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Well, no, it's not quite that, but it's, um, it, yeah, it's just like, man, we just saw this. Like, come on, again, we were going down this road. Like, but, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so it's it's just not great. And I also, yeah, you could certainly pass. And I, I watched uh, Malignant on okay. HBO Max. I, I uh, heard someone laugh. I don't know, I'm like, this is me just kind of poking in on people's commentary on Twitter, but someone said he they laughed the entire way through Malignant. No. Um, <laughs> I That's somebody just trying to be cool on Twitter. I guarantee. Someone trying to actually scare the shit out of people. Like, oh, I think it's funny. No, I didn't think it was... Now, keep my, I will say, I did not think it was like super scary, but or scary really at all. But that's okay. I found it to be entertaining as hell, though. At the reason why I found it to be entertaining as hell, and the reason why I watched it, because I'm not, like, James Wan's horror stuff, like, I know people talk about The Conjuring. Man, I tried to watch The Conjuring. I thought that movie was as scary and as entertaining as a Lifetime movie. Like, Oh, my God, really? Oh, God, really? it did nothing. I can't for, watch I can't watch Well, that stuff doesn't scare me, right? Like, ghosts and spooky, th- like... My dude, I can't, I've watched... Each of those movies, The Conjuring One, Conjuring Two, once. Yeah, that's enough for me. I won't watch Annabelle. I won't watch The Nun. I won't watch any of that shit that has to do with the Warrens. Yeah, I don't. Do that stuff never really scared me. So like, I, I just didn't didn't do anything <clears throat> for me. I never saw Insidious. Um, right, that, that's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, but so anyway, I only watched it because I saw I I'd read an interview with him where he talked about how he this was his kind of like tribute to the stuff that he grew up watching, like Giallo films and, Mm. um, you know, like different. And, and so I was like, all right, you know what? Let me check this out. Maybe it'll be fun. And I, it was, you know, a slow day, boring. So I fired it up and it's like, yeah, if it starts to suck, I'll just turn it off. Whatever. It's a difference. I found it really entertaining. I mean, it is clearly, you know, you could see that he's got, um, the Giallo influences there, like the Argento and Mario Bava type influence, which is fun. There's nods to, like, Nightmare on Elm Street and Shocker, Mm. right? Like, Wes Craven type stuff like that in it. There's nods to uh, body uh, uh, body horror, like movies like Basket Mm. Case. Um, So, like, to me, this movie... And then the third act of this movie is just completely batshit crazy. Like, off the wall in the coolest way possible. Like, while it's not scary necessarily to me anyway, I just found it to be fun and entertaining. Um, and it's, it very much reminded me of, uh, the type of movie that I would have stayed up and wound up watching like on Cinemax, like at like two o'clock in the morning. Really? One of those kind of, I mean, and, and you know, it's funny because James Wan actually said, this is the type of movie that I want you to, like, that you would have found at the back of, like, the video store shelf back in the day. You know, so and it's it's a little, it's better made than those types of movies, right? And it looks better and, you know, obviously uh, higher budget than, like, that type of a movie. But it's it does remind me of that type of movie that I would have found, like, late at night on Cinemax or whatever, you know, Showtime. You know, and just been like, wow, this is fun. Yeah. So that's I why I enjoy it. Like, I used to do that shit, like, to see if I would get scared. You know, like, watch it, be like, oh, it's, like, in the middle of the night. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like... I'm test, test my test my strength, my fortitude. Yeah, and it, it is blood, and, you know, there's plenty of gore effects and stuff like that that's cool and, and things like that. So it's like, you know, depending on what your, you know, what scares you, you know, that's always that, but... um. 
But yeah, so I, I definitely, so I watched that and I, I, I definitely did not, I was not upset that I watched it. Mm. Um, and, uh, and it's funny because I, I was, I was uh, on Twitter uh, the other day and I saw people going back and forth about um, the Venom Let There Be Carnage runtime. Mm-hmm. which is a, supposedly 90 minutes and they were like losing their minds over it and i'm thinking I'm, I'm, that's perfect well it might be so that's the thing like i i mean obviously it's, it's to me it's more important to see how the movie plays during its runtime you know it's more right. important than the actual runtime but like you know i'm thinking about it and i'm like yeah i mean yeah it sounds short you know it's rare these days that you get a big budget like movie you know especially like a comic book superhero movie that's that short so it's a little jarring to see it first but it's like the more i thought about it i was like you know the first movie pretty much accomplished like you got the origin right Mm -hmm. you got the motivations you got your the love interest like the backstory like you got a lot of that so you don't need to worry about any of that in this movie there's like three things i think this movie needs to accomplish right you're gonna kind of fill us in on where Eddie Brock's been since the first movie, right? And what he's up and up to. Mm-hmm. You're going to um, establish carnage, right? And you're going yep. to set up a f- big fight. Yep. There's no reason why you can't accomplish those three things in 90 minutes. I mean, if you figure like, you know, 15, 20 minutes just to catch us up on Eddie Brock and what he's going with, 40, 45 minutes to establish carnage and 30 minutes to set up the fight and have the fight, perfect. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. that's how the movie's going to be formatted, but like when you really think about it, that's like all you need, that's man. all you and, need. And, and, like, and if it knows what it is, yeah, you know, like there's no need to like fill it with a bunch of BS. Correct. Like, yeah. Just keep it, keep it, keep it simple. And I think that's the key, right? So like if this movie yeah. was, sub- if they had planned it to be a two hour movie and hacked it up. Because just right. it wasn't turning out right or whatever, and then it became ninety minutes. Well, then you're like, all right, that's a problem. Yeah, but if they didn't, yeah. if they intended it to be like a lean, mean story, great. Because I, I hear reactions are are amazing. Yeah. people walking out like really, like really psyched. Yeah, yeah I mean, as long psyched. as it's coherent and like you know tells a, <coughs> a cohesive story and and delivers. Then what's the difference? Like you know, I was thinking about it when when I was when we were doing our review of um, Godzilla King of the Monsters, which feels like it was a lifetime ago right. now. And I remember saying how I felt like there was a really fun uh, Godzilla hour and like forty minute Godzilla movie that unfortunately was two hours and twenty minutes long. Right. Right. And I it's like and now and I'm thinking of like this fast and this F5 F9 movie that I just watched. And it's long. like that movie could have been at least 30 to 40 minutes shorter and it would have been yeah. fine. Yeah. And like then I see this Venom thing and I'm like, "You know what? It might be perfect. Like that might be all you need and yeah, you know I'm what? Not even yeah, I, you know, I'm not even uh, I'm not that I'm not saying that you're upset. I'm just I'm not even care about that shit. I'm just like, all right, yeah, 90, 90 minutes cool." Last thing you want to do is, to your point, is like be in the theater and be like, "Damn, what time is it?" Yeah, shit, this movie's just getting started. And um, and you I know what? I, it, you know, I wanted to kind of feel like you you sit down and then like just beat you over the face with some craziness. You yeah, walk out, you're like, oh shit, okay. I'm... Like I'll you said, you, man, understand like, what what it is. What it is, yeah, and and that's the thing. 
because I can st- I still can't put my finger on what it was about the first one that was like okay to watch. Yeah, that one is just <laughs> like, it's one of the most perplexing so movies. I, I, I mean, I think about this movie every once in a while. Like I I remember it. You know, it like it seemed okay. You know, and then I'm like, but really? But then there was like a chick in the in the Venom and like she just comes out of nowhere. Venom dog. I'm like, what? Yeah. I yeah, I, I, you know, like I said, that, that was a movie that I didn't even know what to do with. Um, but it, the more I think about it, like I, I kind of think about the fun parts of it, and I, I, yeah. I'm probably gonna rewatch it. Um, one of like the next couple of days. It's on. It, I just saw, what did I just see that? Um, yeah, it's up on something. Yeah, I'm gonna rewatch it in the next couple of days because I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like. If that if this next one is successful, you know it could actually. I think if if you have a movie it's that's ninety minutes and it winds up being successful, and it's, it's like be successful, yeah, then it's like, hey, you know what, directors, creators, studios, whatever, every comic book film, superhero film doesn't have to be two hours and fifteen minutes. Yeah, I'm going to tell you why it's going to be successful because you heard about the leak, the post credits leak. I I did. I I've avoided. Reading I about mean, it, but you can only. I can assume what, what it, it based on the way people have been talking about it. I can oh, only assume. I can assume people what it is. Pissed because of because it was leaked, but like, here's my theory. I don't think it was leaked by accident. I think I Could think be. Sony wants people running to the theaters to see this bitch. Well, of course, they want people running to the no, theaters and so to you're see gonna, it. You're gonna tell you know. Oh, here you go. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh my, you know, I gotta, I'm gonna go see it because ain't no one gonna be waiting like we did back in the day. You jump from one movie theater and then you jump, you know, kind of jump to the back end yeah. of another one or whatever. You know what I mean? Like no one's doing that anymore. No. So, that you know, people are gonna people are gonna go see it. But it's crazy. This. I mean, when you think about it, the first Venom movie was two hours and twenty minutes. Damn. Yeah, and now you're going down to. Almost an hour less, fifty yeah. minutes less, and and I mean, you know it's what? Just goo versus goo. So yes. like, let's let's cut all the context out. Let's right. do it. Like I said, all you got to do is give me fifteen to twenty minutes, just catching me up on Eddie Brock. Give me forty-five minutes to live with Carnage and Woody Harrelson and that whole deal for a little while, and then just give me a balls to the wall fight, and I'm fine. Yeah. These are not the thing is with Venom and Carnage. It's like these are not super deep characters, right? Like without Spider-Man involved, and right. that's the thing. Right. Like Spider-Man adds a lot of depth to them, their characters. Well, in, yeah, yeah. I you mean, know the I way mean? that they're the way that they're kind of the trajectory of these characters. It it's a little it's hard it's harder for me to swallow because because this is not the this is not the Eddie Brock that I know. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. So, uh, but but whatever. Well, I mean, they didn't do it. I mean, they and they had to for obvious reasons. They didn't oh, do cool. the yeah, traditional yeah, yeah, totally. origin uh, story yeah. and any of that stuff. You know, which, uh, which anymore? you know, they would have had to have started establishing that along, you know, early on. But you know, whatever. It's cool. And Tom Hardy, look, Tom Hardy and Woody Harrelson, sweet. Cool. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, was that a movie you'd go to the theater to see? <sighs> or is that a wait the forty five days uh, deal? I don't even know. Is that is that a forty five day? Yeah, I, no, I don't even know. I, I'll yeah. be honest. So there, there's two. There's there are two. No, there's three films right now. 
that are like, do I go to the theater and see them? One is one is Venom, because of like all of the reactions I've been hearing so far. I'm like, shit, I gotta maybe I gotta go see it. And that's that's the thing. It's the missing out, right? It's like, do I not go see it and then kind of miss out on that cultural conversation? Um, the other one is Bond, right? Uh, that I absolutely want to see in theaters. Uh, as just like a like as a cheers to my dad because that was our thing. Yep. And the third one is me is the Matrix Resurrection. Oh right. You know, like that trailer that dropped just pulling all the levers for me and I remember. I mean, we we text about this, but like, like I vividly remember the the impact that the first movie had on me in the theaters and like getting back there and I saw all of them in the theaters like good and you know good and bad I even saw the Animatrix in the theaters um but uh I really want to see that movie in the, in the on the big screen yeah well and even that's still I'm a ways for free off because it's just, but... it has such a it's it's connected to me man I, I I watched that movie like that was the film came out I remember I was I was, I think I was still in high school and it came out on DVD when I was entering college, and I literally watched that movie like every night for at least half of the school year. Yeah, I mean, like I know that movie front to back. The The Matrix trilogy, the you know, is actually one of the best examples of how word of mouth can affect a movie franchise mm. because. It's got the most fascinating box office trajectory. Like, the first movie makes um, $173 million domestic, which was a surprise, right? And $465 million worldwide. And the word of mouth, obviously, is fantastic, right? So the sequel comes out, and it makes $281.5 million domestic and $739 million worldwide. Huge jump. But then the word of mouth on that was not good. And then six months later, when the third movie comes out, that goes down to 139 million domestic and 427 million worldwide, which is less than the first movie. (laughs) And it's like, there you go. So that's how like word of mouth can actually affect things because people didn't even care to see how the damn story was going to end. So it'll be interesting to see how they respond now. I mean, I think now enough time has gone by where nostalgia will probably kick in. Plus, you know, a whole new generation of people and a generation that grew up watching Keanu Reeves kick ass and John Wick movies. Uh, yeah. As opposed to Bill and coming out of Bill and Ted right in Point Break, which is what, what he was coming yeah. out of going into speed. the original trilogy. Right. Speed. Speed. Speed, which is, yeah, speed. But good. Good movie, actually. Not the sequel, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. We should do a, an episode one day on, like, worst film sequels to, like, hit movies. You know, not just in general. Because there have been bad sequels to bad movies, but bad sequels to, worst sequels to hit movies. Yeah. I think no, Speed 2 would probably be on that list. I'm sure there is, and that's why it's kind of fun. Yeah. To think be, that would actually be a shit ton of fun to do. Yeah. We should definitely do it. Start, start putting my ideas down for that. Mm-hmm. Start to see what... Uh, what we're talking about, but cocoon too. There it is. That's pretty rough. <laughs> the return. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, I'm already got a few that flying through my head. 
Um, and it doesn't have to be a, like the first sequel. It could be down the road, too. Like oh, Coming wait. to America? Well, that's that's the first sequel. But I'm saying, like, meaning, like, um, so, like, you know, Vegas Vacation, right? Oh, geez. Which is, like, the fourth movie in that franchise. Oh, boy, that's so bad. Yeah, so things like that, that it's, so like, bad. you know, uh, it didn't have to be part two, but it, it you know. Yeah. Like, to me, like, Rush Hour 3 is a movie I, I, I almost walked out on. I don't even, I, I mean, I probably saw it. I just don't remember. You know, and I like Rush Hour 2 more than a lot of people do. But like Rush Hour, but at least Rush Hour 2 was a hit. Because Rush Hour, the yeah, first like one, which is great, it was a sleeper. Yeah. Rush Hour 2 was a hit. And it's, yeah, it's, I like Rush Hour 2. Yeah, it's good. And then Rush Hour is just a disaster. So, you know, Beverly Hills Cop 3, right? I mean, there's, there's some bad that movies that were sequels that were not the first sequel. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of people give Alien Three that run, that rap. Yeah, so I mean, they're, they're Let's not get. I, I actually really like Alien Three. Well, well Alien Three is a fascinating story, right? Because yeah. it was David we, Fincher. We talk, we, boy, have we talked? <laughs> I think we've talked about this one. Yeah, but like, yeah, it's a it's a good one. Yeah, David Fincher's first film that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But uh, yeah, well, we don't want to. We'll end up doing that whole episode now. But yeah, we'll talk. We'll. I think we'll put together an episode where we talk about worst. Sequels to just hit movies. Yeah. Uh, that should be that could be kind of fun. Um, before we get out of here, though, let's let's talk a little bit about what if. Right, we haven't really talked about oh, it yeah, now no, in a couple no, weeks. No. Um, I, well, I mean, what if to me continues to still be really great television. Um, I'm loving it. I loved the zombies episode. That was like, dope. Loved it. I would see watch an entire series of that. Uh, thought it was great. Uh, this last week was really good too. Um, it, it just you know the, the quality of the stories has yeah. been has been high. It's been really strong, and it's it's not just using the gimmick of like hey alternate reality version of whatever. It's like they're yeah. they're telling some real stories here that they would not be able to tell, you know, in any other medium, right? Which is cool. I mean, that's what you should be using this for. Uh, so yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I, I'm I loving mean, it. I think, I think what I, um, what I appreciate is the different, the different approaches to, um, that change right in the universe, that diversion that they talk about, like in Dr. Strange, we see it kind of play out where, you know, Christine, the Dr. Strange episode, Christine ends up going with, yeah. with Steven and then she becomes this like, you know, fixed point in time. And then in, in the second one, it was hope, hope, uh, becoming infected with some sort of like, you know, zombie disease, whatever from the quantum realm. And then with this one, I'm glad they don't even explain it, man. Like Killmonger just shows up. Hey, <laughs> launches, uh, launches a missile into space. Uh, but what I love, what I loved about it is that his motivations are still true to who he is, and like they kind of up the ante on like how bad of a mother effer he really is. And you know, one of the things they talked about in the first Black Panther was, you know, his main job was to go behind enemy lines and like disrupt complete like civilizations and and like systems and bureaucracies and stuff like that. And he does it 
both to the U.S. and to Wakanda, like big time. I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was so smart. Yep. And uh, I love the fact that everyone, you know, everyone comes back. And it's just it's such a well written show, and they're doing such a great job at kind of um, planting these seeds with all these different characters, where eventually we know they're going to end up kind of meeting up. Yeah, I think. and and they're taking Pretty chances, sure. and you know, for people who say, oh, you know, Marvel, Marvel Studios doesn't take chances. I know it's animation, but still, that this is their Disney Plus shows. Falcon and Winter Soldier probably aside, because that was sort of I mean it, it was great but it, it wasn't really like a chancy show but like WandaVision and Loki and what if like these they're taking chances with these shows yeah and that's cool because they yeah. should do that more <laughs> right um, yeah. I mean I, they did it with Shang-Chi too I guess in a lot of ways um, so hopefully this next phase of Marvel is more more about that I mean that Hawkeye trailer came out mm-hmm. and that was um, a trailer um, I yeah, love that I, it's a Christmas I mean, thing. I'm a sucker for that, to be yeah. honest with you. I love, like, especially you get, like, a superhero, like, Christmas story. Awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm into it. I'm down. And uh, all of it. Just television-wise, we, we don't really talk a lot about general television here because I, I don't watch a lot of it. But um, if people are not watching Evil... They should be. So, uh, Evil is a show I started watching last year. It was on CBS, and it was good. And now this season, second season, it moved to see, to um, Paramount Plus, mm-hmm. and it is now great. <laughs> like it went mm-hmm. from a really good show that had some potential to a great show. Uh, it, they are doing it week to week, but it's this was episode ten out of thirteen that just aired. This Sunday, new episodes drop every Sunday, so they're almost done with this second season, uh, and it's all available on Paramount Plus to binge. I would recommend doing that. Its basic premise is that um, Mike Coulter, who was Luke Cage in the Netflix Luke Cage show, mm-hmm. is uh, he is a he's about to become a priest, Catholic priest, mm-hmm. and he gets teamed up with a psychologist and a guy who's like um, an expert in like surveillance and like computers and hacking and stuff like that. And they basically get hired by the Vatican to work with the Catholic church to investigate like paranormal stuff and, and exorcisms and, and weird things. And it's, there's possession stuff and the devil may be involved and there's eagle evil um, covert organizations and, dark organization there's x-files elements to it especially this season it's just become great television so i would recommend that everybody watch that show if you want to watch some great television shows so cool yeah um yeah so awesome i think yeah i mean the only thing i've been watching lately is like uh i actually i've been watching a lot of uh docuseries um so Netflix has a a tremendous series called Untold, mm. um, and they are about uh, some like sports history moments. So they had one on <clears throat> Christy Martin, the like female boxer. Yeah, they had one on uh, Bruce Jenner and his Olympic uh, his Olympic win. 
Um, the one I just watched was about Marty Fish um, and his struggle with uh, anxiety disorder mm. as he kind of caught a second wind in his tennis career. So there's, some, there's a lot of really good stuff. Uh, I don't know how frequent those uh, episodes are, but uh, I've watched every one of them, and um, and they're amazing. So totally cool. recommend those. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, think, I guess that's about it, right? <clears throat> yeah. 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 Get out of here and uh, got some stuff coming up soon. So we still got a, a couple of weeks right before anything noteworthy comes out movie-wise. Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, we'll just, uh, see what happens. Hopefully, uh, some people start opening their mouths and <laughs> say stupid things or, yeah, yeah decide to get there's controversial. No, there's no short or, shortage of that. No. Uh, um, I'm going to start compiling my list of terrible sequels to hit movies and see, absolutely. see how far I could get. We'll, we'll, we'll cap it off at 10. Yeah, let's do that. Cause I have a feeling I probably have many. Um, I yeah, I think there's a few bunch. And I guess we sure. technically have to say true sequels, right? So not like sec- second or third parts of like a trilogy, right? So like we won't count like not that we would include like Empire Strikes Back or or things like that as sequels. So we're not gonna are we gonna leave that stuff out? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, just pure just sequels like this part two or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Except we have to strike one. Quest for Peace cannot be on this list. Well, <laughs> so here's the thing. So that's why I said like to to hit movies, right? So Superman three wasn't as big a hit as no. Superman one and two. So technically, yeah. Superman three would fall in that category then. Probably. Although I I do have a. You get a soft spot for that flu? Kind of, yes. I guess similar Fucking, to how you have a soft spot for four. Bomb, but there is that part where she gets sucked into the computer, man. Scariest thing I've... Up every time. Disaster terrifying. when I was a kid. Now, that scared me. Terrifying. Yeah, not the conjuring. That scared the crap out of... From years, that messed me up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> On that note... On that note. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. So, of course, you can go to thefanboygarage.com and check out all our stuff and... Uh, of course, the social medias, the Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitters, at the Fanboy Garage. And I'm on Twitter at RealCLMighty. You can catch me on Twitter at AARonSpeaks. That is A underscore A underscore Ron Speaks. Thank you again for listening to episode 147 of the Fanboy Garage. We will catch you guys next time. Later. You're listening to the Fanboy Garage Podcast. <laughs>